Good morning. Welcome to Ironworks Church. My name is Joshua Olson. I am one of the members of the congregational care team um, here at Ironworks. Um, we're going to be coming back to our series on David called A Sinner After God's Own Heart. Now, David is this eclectic character who's sometimes just absolutely infuriating and sometimes incredibly enduring. So if you would, please, let's listen in as the scripture speaks about the life of David. Please stand as you are able so that we can listen to God's word. Second Samuel chapter 9. And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not still someone in the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He is in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, at Lodabar. Then king David sent and brought him from the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belonged to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both his feet. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Gracious God, we thank you for your word. We ask that your Holy Spirit now would illumine our hearts and our minds, that he might help us to understand what you have written here and how to apply it to our own lives. Help us, Lord, to see Christ 
and him exalted. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. On June 15th, 2015, Nady Collier stepped in front of a camera and said to a person, to the person who had murdered her mother, I forgive you. You took something very precious from me, and I will never talk to her ever again. I will never be able to hold her again, but I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. Moments later, Anthony Thompson, whose wife, Myra Thompson, had also been murdered, stepped in front of the camera and said, I forgive you. But we would like you to take this opportunity to repent. Repent. Confess. Give your life to the one who matters most, Christ, so that he can change it, can change your ways no matter what happened to you, and you'll be okay. Do that, and you'll be better off than you are right now. Anthony's wife, Myra, and Nady Collier's mother were murdered in what became known as the Charleston Massacre. And when I hear what they have to say, it makes me wonder, how? How can this kind of mercy be shown to someone who murdered the one whom your soul loves? How? Well, I think that our passage can help us understand how someone could do this. So let's go ahead and jump in. What we'll do is we'll break the passage down into three steps. First, we'll look at how David remembers Jonathan and his covenant with Jonathan. Secondly, we'll look at David's complicated relationship with Saul and then we'll look at how David keeps his covenant with Jonathan. So first, David remembers his covenant with Jonathan. In verse 1, uh, it begins, and David says by asking, is, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show kindness for the sake of Jonathan? Or it could be translated, is there anyone left in the house of Saul that I might fulfill with him my covenant love for Jonathan? The, the word that's translated kindness in the ESV here is the word chesed. And it's the same word that's used in verse 3, which says, is there not still someone in the house of Saul that I may show the chesed of God, the kindness of God to him? And this word chesed, it describes the special, loyal, unending love of God that is sealed with a promise and a covenant. It is God's covenant love. Is chesed. 
And so David wants to show this chesed to, uh, to Jonathan as he remembers his friendship, this friendship that was forged in the midst of some incredibly trying times. For instance, in 1 Samuel 18, verse 1, this is immediately after David had to face that big, giant Goliath and slayed him. And it says, when David had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And then just, uh, just a, a couple of verses later in verse 3, it makes it very explicit what kind of love this is. When it says, Jonathan cut a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And then if you fast forward to 1 Samuel chapter 20, Saul, the king, has grown jealous of David and is angry and ferociously mad at David and tries to kill him. And Jonathan here is making provision for David to escape the hand of his own father. And Jonathan says to David, And may the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. And if I am still alive, will you not show me the covenant love of the Lord that I might not die? You shall not cut off your covenant love from my house forever. Not even when the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. And David makes this covenant with Jonathan to show covenant love, chesed, to the house of Jonathan forever. Now as we think about this, this covenant that Jonathan and David made to one another, it makes, makes me wonder, how is it that we show this chesed nowadays? What are, what are some examples that we enter into a covenant of love? Well, the first one um, that comes to mind is some of us here made a covenant promise before God and before witnesses when we exchanged rings of promise on our wedding day. And so if you are married, you have made chesed. You have cut a covenant with your spouse, a promise of loyal, special love that is sealed with a promise. The other example that comes to mind of how we enter into chesed is when we stand here in front of the church and we make vows, promising to love and serve each other, promising to preserve the unity of the church. In fact, we'll have an opportunity to experience this in just a, a little bit when we welcome uh, Laura Plummer into uh, membership here at Ironworks Church. She will be making chesed. She will be making a covenant promise 
to love and serve this church. And when you entered into that, you also made a promise to love and serve this church and the members of it. And so, as we look at the covenant of David with Jonathan, we can learn how we're supposed to love each other, what type of love it is that we are supposed to show to each other here at Ironworks Church. Now, unfortunately, Jonathan died in the same battle where Saul and most of his family died. And so David, in our passage, is now looking for anyone from the house of Saul that he might be able to fulfill this covenant love for Jonathan. And so Ziba, the former servant of Saul, is summoned and comes and gives a report that Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, is alive, but that he is paralyzed in his feet. And he states that he is hiding up in the northern region of Galilee in the city of Lodabar with Mekir, the son of Amiel. So after learning this, David quickly summons Mephibosheth and brings him to Jerusalem. And Mephibosheth is there before David. And so... This begs the question, who exactly is Mephibosheth? Who is this guy? And in order to answer this question, we need to look at David's complicated relationship with Saul. Saul and David had a very, very interesting, convoluted, complicated relationship. Saul was anointed king over Israel and then he quickly disqualified himself because of his arrogance and idolatry. And it was shortly thereafter that David was chosen by God and then anointed as prince over Israel by the prophet Samuel. So already you see there's some tension here. Former king and the king who's going to take his place. Then... Interestingly, through God's providence, David actually ends up in the court of Saul. Um, this is because of David's valiant victories in battle. And it's also because David knew some soul-soothing jazz that could just calm the heart and soul of King Saul. Um, and so, so David would actually go in, and when, when Saul was just agitated in his heart and in his mind, David would play and soothe King Saul's heart. But, then you fast forward a little bit, for most of Saul's reign, a good portion, and basically the entire last portion of Saul's reign, Saul is chasing after David. Um, and David is fleeing from Saul. Saul was just anguished with guilt and jealousy, and he wanted to pour out all of that anguish and guilt and jealousy out on David. And so there's this one time where, where Saul's heart is just so agitated so much that he actually throws a spear at David. 
and barely misses. And he chases after David, and David flees. And it's, David actually has to flee into the land of the Philistines, his arch enemy, in order to escape the hand of Saul. And David has to pretend to be a madman in front of the king there in order to escape the hand of Saul and this other king who would otherwise kill him. So you kind of get this idea, right, that there's a little bit of tension between Saul and David, maybe a little bit. And so after Saul and Jonathan die, one of Saul's sons survives. His name's uh, Ishbosheth. Um, Pastor Sam uh, brought us through, through that story where Abner took and made Ishbosheth king over Israel at the same time that David was anointed king over Judah. So you still have these two kings just kind of battling it out. And um, Ishbosheth wrongly accuses his servant Abner, who made him king. Um, of sleeping with one of Saul's concubines, and Abner turns his back on Ishbosheth. So I would recommend if someone makes you king, don't wrongfully accuse them of sleeping with uh, your dad's concubines, okay? So just don't do that. It's a bad idea. Um, don't do that. <clears throat> and so Abner actually turns towards David and helps establish David as king over all of Israel, all of Israel and Judah, and unites the kingdom under David. And eventually, Ishbosheth is murdered by his own men. And so now, Mephibosheth is the lone survivor of Saul's immediate family, the one who by birthright would be heir to the throne of Saul. So in a very real way, Mephibosheth is public enemy number one for David. He is the one who would or could steal the throne from David. And that's actually why he's hiding all the way north in Galilee in the city of Lodabar. He is hiding from David because the usual practice in those days was when a new family took a throne, they would then hunt down any surviving members of the previous royal family and then put them to death. Any threat to the throne would have to be eliminated or destroyed in order to establish yourself as the ruling royal family. And... We understand this, this impulse, don't we? We want to protect ourselves. We want to protect our status. We want to protect our kingdom. And so, perhaps, here at Ironworks Church, someone comes in they begin to steal some of your influence. Or your friends might become distant as they enter into new friendships. We might grow jealous, defensive, 
maybe even angry. Or you're having a conversation with one of the members and a social issue comes up. And they might say something that seems to you like they're attacking your very ideals. And so what do we do? We normally, we get angry. We want to tear them down. We want to prove them wrong. Or maybe just slowly distance ourselves from them. That's the usual way. But as we'll see, David is not your usual kind of person. He's not your usual kind of king. And that means that we should not be your usual type of people. Let's look at how David keeps his covenant promise with Jonathan. Mephibosheth comes before David absolutely terrified. He knows what happens to the families of the previous royal uh, I'm, I'm sorry, of the previous royal family. He knows what happens to the members of the family. And so he falls on his face and he pays homage to David. And what are David's first words to Mephibosheth? In verse 7, David says, Do not fear. Don't be afraid. You do not have to be afraid. Why? Because I will show you kindness. I will show you chesed. I will show you the covenant love of God. David remembers his covenant with Jonathan and he keeps it, extending covenant loyalty to the very threat of his throne, extending kindness to a person who is even incapable of approaching him in confidence because he's paralyzed. I love the way that um, Dow R Ralph Davis um, describes this moment. He says, David goes far beyond any bare requirement. David doesn't merely spare Mephibosheth's life, but he heaps goodness on him. He not only protects his life, but restores his inheritance. He not only saves him from the shadow of death, but he prepares a table for him. David's Kindness, chesed, goes beyond survival to sustenance, to richness, to abundance. Mephibosheth is cared for by and with the king, and he will never have to face destitution ever again. So this, this begs the question, how is David able to show this kind of covenant love to Mephibosheth? How is, he, how is he to give back 
the very land that he took away from Saul. A huge, huge gift that was costly to David. And welcome him into the royal court to sit at the table like one of his sons. How is David able to show this kind of love to Mephibosheth? I would argue it is because if you go back just a couple of chapters in 2 Samuel, to 2 Samuel chapter 7, David himself experiences the love of God. I'll read just a small portion from that. 2 Samuel chapter 7, starting at verse 11, where it says, The Lord declares to you, David, that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, and you who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the son of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne is established forever. David shows the covenant love of God. God's love and generosity to Mephibosheth because he himself has experienced the love and generosity of God towards him and his family. He welcomes Mephibosheth in to his home as a son because God has invited David into his house as a son. And David invites Mephibosheth to his table because David has eaten at the table of fellowship with the Lord. So how did Nady Collier and Anthony Thompson show such incredible kindness and mercy to Dylan, the young man who entered their church sanctuary and murdered in cold blood their mom and wife. It is because Nady and Anthony have known and tasted the chesed of God. And God showed them love and mercy and forgiveness. And they know that the power of repentance has when it comes and changes your life so that you become a new person. So Ironworks Church, how 
can we show this type of love to one another? Where when someone upsets you or sins against you, here at Ironworks Church, you can forgive them. You can be generous to them. You can love them. Or when there's friction between you and your spouse, how can we show the kind of covenant loyalty that David and Nady and Anthony have shown? Ironworks Church, it's because we have experienced the height to which Christ has gone to love us. We know the depth of the pain that Christ endured to show us mercy. We know the unending length of Christ's love that will never end. And that although you broke his covenant, and as Paul pointed out earlier, you once were his enemy, He has loved you. If you go back to this covenant that God makes with David, it says that when he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with a rod of men and the stripes of men. But Jesus never committed iniquity, and yet God judged him on a, on, on a rod as he hung on the cross and as he endured the many lashings when he was flogged for your sin. This is how God was able to keep covenant with David, and this is how he's able to keep his covenant with you. Because Christ endured what we should endure. And now because of that, he gives you his inheritance. Christ gives you his inheritance. He clothes you with pure vestments. He crowns you with the crown of life. He welcomes you to this table where we all come the same. Sinners, broken, lame, welcomed at the table of our King and our Father. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for the love that you have shown us, the chesed, where you keep your covenant, where you show us generosity, where you give us way, way more than we deserve. We were your enemies, and you have brought us into your family, and we sit at your table, and we experience all the blessings of your kingdom. Lord, we thank you for this, and we pray, God, that you would help us as we have experienced this love to love other people in this way. Help us to be like David.
to Jonathan. Help us to be like Nady and Anthony towards Dylan. Help us to love each other and keep our covenant promise. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, Josh.